Welcome to Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. I am your host, Lori McGraw. I have spent the past 30 years in leadership, and over the years, I've come to learn one thing. Women need women, and not just any women, but inspiring women. Tune in every week to hear from women at the pinnacle of their careers and from others who are just starting out. Episodes can be found at inspiringwomen.show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening, and I hope you will be inspired. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Women, and I am very excited to today be talking to this inspiring woman, Ning Mossberger Tang. Now, Ning is somebody who has a background in computer technology and engineering. She has a degree in computer science and engineering from Singao University and a master's in computer science from the University of Arizona. She started as an engineer back in the Google early days, back when the motto was do no evil. She was a technical lead there, but then she changed her course. Um, in 2006, she really moved her attention to many other interests. Beyond being interested in things like photography, she is extremely active um, in conservation, environmental education, climate change, migration, mitigation, community organizing, and policy advocacy. She does her work through a private foundation, a social welfare nonprofit, and she's a private investor in clean tech startup. She is extremely active in community organizing. We're going to get to hear about some of these initiatives as well as how organizing in the moment of crisis like a pandemic has led to some really incredible outcomes. So with that, welcome Ning. I'm really excited to be talking to you today. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to talk about my, uh, I guess, somewhat uh, unusual journey. <laughs> I, I have a background in computer science, as you mentioned. I have a bachelor's degree of uh, computer science and engineering from Tsinghua University in Beijing, China. And then I came to the US when I was 19 uh, to get a master's degree in computer science from the University of Arizona in, uh, in Tucson. And after that, I have worked uh, in the technology industry in different parts of the country. At the end, I was working for Google for a number of years in the Bay Area. And uh, after that, um, you know, it, it, around 2006, I, uh, I, I was actually shocked when I uh, read that uh, the global temperature has reached the highest level in like nearly a million years. <laughs> and I also, you know, went out to, uh, uh, to read the literature about that and get myself educated. And I saw the, uh, the, the Keating graph and about the CO2 level, how it's uh, you know, going up after the industrial revolution. And it just, it's nonstop and how that relates to temperature rise uh, globally. So I, I saw that and I thought, hmm, you know, what can I do? I have to do something about it, right? Because uh, I, I really enjoy my work uh, in, in technology, but at the same time, I just, you know, I just feel like I cannot not do anything about it. <laughs> the, 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 the climate crisis is coming down on us very quickly. And uh, it, if, if we don't take action and we, we are going to be uh, missing the time window to address the, the crisis. And so that's, that's when I decided that I'm going to do a real uh, a switch of my focus on my uh, career really to focus on environment instead. 
So that's 2006, and that's when I started the um, Innovo Foundation, uh, the focus on climate change mitigation. And through my work in Innova Foundation, I was able to work with many environmental nonprofits uh, regarding climate change from, uh, uh, you know, from South, from Central America to Africa to the United States. Uh, so I learned a lot during that period. Well, Ning, I really want to talk about that because it's amazing, you know, how how clearly you made that switch to activism and getting engaged on a much more global scale as well as, you know, at a local level. But let's go back a little bit. And inspiring women, I like to really understand women's career trajectories and where they spend their energy and time. And you started off as an engineer and you were at Google. Now, Google, everyone knows Google is a premier technology organization that shaped the world and you were there back in the early days. So I have to imagine that you were feeling like you were making a great impact there. So what was that like back in those early days at Google? Give us some perspective. It was very exciting. When I was at Google, uh, it was a really small company and we are all working uh, on one floor of uh, office building. We, we did not even grow to the second floor at a time. So everybody was together and uh, I get to meet with uh, Larry Page, Sergey Brin, and actually work with them on some projects. <laughs> so it, it's exciting, I mean, interesting, I guess, uh, looking back, because right now they're, you know, both pretty high up there, I guess, uh, very well known and all that. But at that time, it was just like any one of us. And uh, I remember, you know, writing code and have uh, Sergey Brin actually standing behind my shoulder and actually looking at my... Uh, by cold, it's like wow, that was that. <laughs> it's hard to imagine today, of course, right? But at that time, it was uh, it's very normal, and uh, it was a very nice uh, working environment. I think it's very encouraging for for uh, engineers like us. We 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 feel like we feel like we were you know 100 uh, percent in control of our destiny. You know, we can do products uh, that we care about. So at that time, the goal was really to make the world information accessible by everybody. So that was the, the, the shared goal by everybody. And at that time, we, we were not even imagining that Google returned to the company that it is today. Like we were not thinking about making money, for example. <laughs> it's just really about <laughs> really index the information and make it accessible. And uh, also do, do, do not do any evil things, right? Just, just be a normal human and do the right thing. And uh, that was uh, a shared goal and a very, very exciting period of time. Well, it also sounds like those early days um, perhaps just gave you a point of view of um, the change and the impact that you could have. I mean, I might be projecting that a bit, but it does seem um, when you talk about the 2006 change where you felt this need to do something about climate change, there was something big and brewing that really um, uh, made you turn your focus to that. So so what happened? 2006, you, all of a sudden climate change awareness um, becomes something really important to you. What triggered that for you? So 2006, I, uh, have been, I have been in Google for a while. And even though I really enjoyed the work, I, I was looking to see if there's a way I can make a more immediate impact in the lives of everybody. I, I think technology is great. It makes things convenient. And I think it's really important. But it's hard to see the direct connection between my work and the welfare of you know the rest of the world. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I read about you know what what's happening with the global uh, temperature that it's uh, you know the highest in a million years, 
and also it's going up and 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 human human directly contributed to that right through our, our activities so i i was uh, you know i just at that point i thought you know why don't i you know try to help address that issue because it looks like there are not enough people working on that and it's, it's just very necessary well, I wish you had many more people at your side in 2006, but my goodness, what an important thing to be working on. Do you think we're doing enough right now? This new administration has really doubled down to make climate change an enormous focus of where they're putting um, their energy. How are you feeling about that? Do you feel like it's getting the attention that it needs? Do you think it's too late? Oh, I think the Biden administration uh, is great. Uh, I think the, they really are engaged in the issue and I think they're doing everything they could. But of course, the Congress will have to uh, legislate and we have to pass you know, major climate legislation so we, uh, we, so we can make use of the next 10 years to, uh, to reach the goal we, that we have to reach to reduce the emissions as much as possible. Well, it also, um, at the time that you started turning your interest to climate change, that wasn't the only thing that you were interested in. You have a long history of service in terms of whether it's helping um, young women and engineers and making sure that they get careers in STEM through mentorship and other things. In addition to climate change, you've worked on um, some other things that I want to talk about. Tell me about mentoring women in, in an engineering or a computer science science area. Why is that important? Why have you put some energy towards that? Well, I mean, there were not enough uh, women uh, in computer industry. That's for sure. I mean, we have all seen that and not enough uh, women actually studying computer science. So we are not doing very well in terms of the building the pipeline for computer engineers or, you know, uh, uh, women in the STEM field. So I, uh, I, I think that's definitely a problem. And also in the political space, which is also not enough uh, women you know, running for office or getting elected into office. So I'm also working with an uh, organization called Emerge. Uh, Emerge is very uh, helpful in uh, training women and build a pipeline for running uh, as, as candidates and run successfully for political office. And one reason I think it's really important to have women both in technology and also in uh, politics is I think women tend to have different motivations. I think they are more uh, motivated to really serve and address issues and solve problems than uh, gaining power. I mean, that's probably a very general statement. I'm sure there are a lot of men, like I was saying, like our uh, Congressman Joe Laguz, he's really into solving the, the solving issues. It's just my, my sense that a lot of women uh, will be interested in serving so they can address problems uh, than gaining power. Well, one of those areas that you certainly have addressed a large problem was during this time of the pandemic. And last year, 2020, when we were still not really clear on what this new virus was doing or how it worked, um, we had lots of issues in the United States. And one of those issues was a severe shortage of PPE. And medical is not your background, that's not your field, but that didn't stop you from um, working on a major campaign called Step Up in Crisis. Tell us a little bit about that. What was it? What did you do? And how did you make it happen? So last March, I realized that we are having a really serious issues with the pandemic, also with the PPE shortage. I have some friends who work in hospitals as nurses and they were 
seriously stressed, like because they had to go to work without the proper equipment, the proper protection. And I thought that was just very, uh, it's very wrong and also it's a very serious issue. So I actually uh, uh, tried to figure out how to address that. And taking my experience in the industry, I, uh, I, I figured that if we can raise enough money upfront to procure PPE directly from China, and then bring them over here, and uh, and then we can distribute them to healthcare workers who need them uh, as quickly as possible. And also, we were trying to uh, sell some of the PPE at cost, so we can raise some additional revenue uh, to continue on that process. And that's around uh, early April. And when I started the initiative, it got a lot of support, uh, especially from a lot of my former Google colleagues. They, I think they uh, kind of went through the similar thought process and understand what is uh, at stake. So we raised, quickly raised about, you know, $1.6 million within 10 days. <laughs> and that was pretty shocking. But, but anyway, we raised that money and then uh, I actually went ahead and uh, procured a whole bunch of PPE about two point, I think uh, close to 2.5, two and a half million pieces of, uh, uh, you know, face mask and uh, protective suits and, and whatnot from China and brought it over here in uh, April and May and then June. And then we were able to distribute uh, all of them uh, to uh, uh, healthcare and also to frontline workers in the US who were in pretty dire need at that time. Well, Ning, I mean, that's amazing. It just absolutely amazing. And, you know, I had the opportunity to read about it in the papers and just your engineering background and taking a really significant issue and a lot of logistics to sort through during a really confusing time that had an impact that got results that actually did something of enormous benefit is um, it's just tremendous. I want to turn the conversation a little bit just to a uh, political organization and democracy just in the you do a lot of writing you uh, you speak out when things are uh, when issues are important to you I might call you a fierce protector of democracy and your background as you said an immigrant from China on a naturalized US citizen how does this influence your views and the actions you take as it relates to democracy so uh, coming from a country that has really has dictatorship and not much democracy to speak of, I really treasure my experience in the U.S. where everybody has the chance to speak up and uh, could be heard and can have an influence in the political process and get to elect your own leaders. And I think I'm not sure if people who grew up here actually realize how precious that is, because I think large part of the U.S., a uh, large part of the world is, is not democratic. So. What we have here is, it's really amazing. And I would like to protect that as much as I can when we still have the opportunity to do so. Well, and, and it seems like you're doing a lot to protect democracy. So I've been reading a, a bit about one of your newest ventures called the Blue Wave Postcard Movement. And this seems like something that started as, as I understand it, just a small group of people that you brought together and it's turned into quite a movement that's had real results in some of the elections. Can you tell us a bit about the Blue Wave? So Blue Wave postcard movement started the last year, uh, 2020, uh, right ahead of the really important uh, 2020 election. So I started that with a group of friends in Boulder 
initially we were just uh, a dozen of us or just a few of us that came together to write postcards every weekend. And then we realized that it's really this momentum uh, for a lot more people and they are willing to do a lot more to, to help uh, turn out voters in 2020. So we started the Blue Wave Postcard Movement and I registered as a, a nonprofit. And also we, we were able to uh, uh, design our own postcards and print them and distribute them at a really good cost because we do them in bulk. So we grew very quickly, actually, it's all through the word of mouth that we were able to get several thousand writers involved from all over the country. And they established several hundred postcard groups from all over the country. And we continue to uh, actually be engaged uh, until this moment. But anyway, during the 2020 election, we were able to, uh, uh, to distribute 2.6 million postcards targeting eight states. Uh, battleground states in, in the country. And I'm, I'm really excited that we uh, have made some impact, I, I, I believe, in, in the outcome of the uh, both the general election and also the Georgia runoff election early this year. Well, it's just incredible. And it's also um, really impressive how quickly you're able to get people organized, pull together an organization that actually is having change and impact. And that's um, that's just really, really impressive. I really appreciate you sharing that um, with folks here. Ning, it, part of the reason for me starting this podcast is I really wanted to reach women who are just thinking about their career options and moving along in their career journeys. So with all of the work that you've done starting out in engineering and computer science, the early days of Google, and then moving on to quite a bit of different activism, whether it's climate or community organizing and the like, what kind of advice might you give to younger women who are just starting out um, just from your learned experiences? So I think number one is really to believe in yourself. Uh, sometimes it's hard to uh, believe in yourself unless you have already tried and, and done and accomplished something. But the first thing is that you really have to get started and, and just believe that you can do it and try try the, the, as, as hard as you can. And, uh, and once you gain more experience, you know, slowly building up more confidence in, in, in yourself. So that's number one. And number two is really to find your partners. Uh, for me, for example, when I started Innova Foundation, you know, the first thing I did when I moved to Boulder, to Colorado, is that to, to find a partner to do the uh, climate mitigation work. And uh, we found a Renew Our School. We started a Renew Our School program with a local organization called Resource Central. And we have been partnering them for the past 10 years. And we built up a, a program for school children to save energy, which has been ranked as the number one program in the nation for school climate action engagement. So anyway, but without, without a partner like Resource Central, that would not have been possible. And for the PPE, uh, the procurement of the protective equipment project, I actually uh, talked to the group of uh, funders who might be interested and, and got their support. And without them, that project would not have even started. <laughs> so just to be honest, so I, I found a good partner there. And then also for a Blue Wave postcard movement, the key was really to find, to have found a group of super engaged activists, uh, women, a group of women in Boulder. We have about 10 in the group right now and everybody is working like half time or full time as a volunteer on the project. And they help me uh, design postcards, distribute them, finding, uh, finding you know, writers. Without them, the Blue Wave postcard will not be where we are right now. 
So like I said, you know, really find your partner, people you can work with, and then uh, set up your strategic plan and try to reach the goal. Well, that's unbelievable advice. And it actually is something that you've done again and again and again. This has been an excellent, inspiring women conversation with Ning Mossberger Tang. Ning, where can people follow you if they want to continue to follow your adventures? So Blue Wave Postcard Movement, if you Google for that, you'll find our website, bluewavepostcards.org. And right now we have a campaign going on to support HL1, which is for the People Act to help it pass the Congress. Uh, it, it's a really important part of uh, uh, legislation actually in, in Congress right now. And uh, uh, I believe we have to protect the democracy through uh, passing HL1 in order to address the climate crisis. So I hope you go find us and join us in the movement. Ning, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. Thank you. This has been an episode of Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We are produced by Kate Cruz at Executive Podcast Solutions. More episodes can be found on inspiringwomen.show. I am Lori McGraw, and thank you for listening.